We're in um, Ephesians. Uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to open them. It's going to be on the screen uh, while we go there. Um, just want to say hello to everyone joining us online as well. If you are joining us online, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us online. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to get into it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I have become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, for people that know me well, that you would know, my favorite TV show, uh, probably one of my favorite TV shows, is the TV show Survivor. Outwit, outplay, outlast. My dream is to actually be a contestant on Survivor. I don't know how long I would last, to be honest, because definitely the physical elements would run me down. But I reckon I could play the mental game, but I'd probably get voted out very quickly as well. Um, what I love about Survivor is how you meet each of the characters, and each of the characters has a story. And what I love is, you know, sometimes in Survivor, you get one of those mysterious characters and you kind of don't know, you know that there's a story behind them. And throughout the series and every episode, you, you learn a little bit and a little bit. And suddenly it gets to this climax where there's this amazing truth that's going to be revealed. And then finally you get to that episode and you finally get to that point, And then what happens? Commercial break. Right? And they make you wait longer. You know, what's funny about life is, uh, we don't think about this much, but we, there are a lot of mysteries in life. Now, sometimes we think of mysteries as being something cryptic or something scary, but, you know, mystery is just defined as something strange or not known that has not been yet explained or understood, something that we just don't know of yet because we haven't been it hasn't been explained to us and, and we haven't understood it yet. 
Because of course, once you know it and once you have it explained, well, it's not a mystery. It's just a fact or an opinion. The passage we read today, the Apostle Paul is going to share with us a great mystery that was revealed for him, through him, for all of mankind. Okay? So the first is this. Uh, I've titled the mystery. The mystery made known to Paul was found in verse 6. Through the gospel, okay, this is what the mystery is. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. So last week, we talked about how through the blood of Jesus, God was reconciled with man. Last week, we talked about reconciliation. Through Jesus, God was reconciled with man, and man was reconciled with man. The Jews and the Gentiles were reconciled. All men were reconciled with God, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their ethnicity. And Paul's going to continue with this line of thought, and he's going to tell us, or tell the reader, that this was the mystery that was revealed to him. See, what we need to understand is Paul didn't make this idea up. This, isn't a, this is a revelation, not an invention. Paul didn't one day go, oh, you know, it would be really good if the Jews and Gentiles were both reconciled back to God. No, no, this was a, a godly truth that was revealed to Paul. It was made known to him for the rest of us. This was God's plan from the beginning. This was God's plan from the beginning, and it was only now at that point when, when God chose to reveal it to Paul that it came about. See, not only were the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, reconciled with God, not only were they reconciled, they had made heirs together, meaning that they have an inheritance together. Not only that, they become members of one body. And finally, they share together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, we, we need to really understand this. Jesus came to save the sinner and the lost, regardless of ethnicity and background. And for all who believe in Jesus, we're all given a new identity. We're given a new identity that goes beyond our race. Now, sometimes we, we hear things like this and we go, yes, God loves all. and God loves beyond all ethnicity and race. But, but this is extremely important to us and extremely personal to us because we are the Gentiles. Assuming that no one here is of Jewish background, we are the Gentiles. So when Paul says that, that God reconciled Jew with Gentile and then all man to God, what God is saying to us through His Word is that you are reconciled to God. This is about you. We can now be the recipients of God's love, and we can now be saved through the blood of Christ. The second part of the passage looks at the messenger. Paul takes some time to describe himself in verse 7 to 9, and we see here that, that he was a servant for the gospel, a servant of the gospel. And he starts to describe himself, and in verse 8 he says this, uh, that he was less than the least of all the Lord's people, and yet it was he that was given the responsibility. What does it say? Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, the grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. What we need to understand was Paul wasn't just being humble and modest about his description as sometimes we are when we describe ourselves. 
But Paul, this is really who Paul was. Uh, if you know a little bit about Paul, um, Paul is the missionary that takes the gospel message from the Jews to the Gentiles, to the ends of the world. But before he did that, before he met Jesus, this is a guy that his, his job was to go into synagogue. He was to go into homes and find the followers of Jesus and to torture them and ultimately kill them. And so when, when Paul says, I'm least, I, I'm least, I am, I am less than everyone. I'm the least. He's not being just humble. That's who he really was. That's just who he was. And yet, and yet, even though he was the mastermind behind so many deaths of those that followed Jesus, and yet God used him. And yet God used him, and not just used him, but used him for his purposes in a mighty way. And this is something that we need to understand for ourselves is that God can use the lesser. God can use the least. God can use the broken. You know, so many times we limit God in what God can and can't do. And we think to ourselves, you know what, I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have gifts. I don't have talents. I don't have the, the experience. I don't have the finance. And we give ourselves so many excuses to make us less than, than who we think we are. And yet God can use each and every one of us. He can use the, the broken. You know, my life is an example of this. You know, the, the, the family that I have, the, the children that I have, this church that I get to be a part of, I promise you, I didn't deserve any of this. I definitely didn't earn any of this. And yet God uses a broken man like me to do his work. God can use the less. Something for you to consider. And third, in the passage, we see the mystery and the messenger, and finally we see the meaning. Why was this mystery finally revealed through Paul? Verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. The question is why? Okay, if that's the mystery and that's the messenger, why? And the answer is this, it was that through the church, it's through the church God's wisdom would be made known to everyone. See, what we need to understand, to do a little bit of history, right from the beginning, when God sinned and walked away from man, uh, <laughs> I completely said that the wrong way. I was just checking, just making sure you're not sleeping. Some of you are like, why? That was completely correct. When man sinned <laughs> and walked away from God, it was always God's plan to redeem and bring man back. It was always in his plan. And in the Old Testament, what we have is we receive half of that plan. And the half was how he was going to save his people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, starting from Abraham. But it's only in the New Testament that the fullness of the mystery is revealed. That through Jesus, 
not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. That was God's plan. That he was going to save all humanity through Jesus. And it's in the church that we get to witness this. It's not in government. It's not in schools. It's not in workplaces. But it's in the church that we get to witness. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people of God. And for those that know that they are saved and the beautiful verse, we can go to God directly. We can go to Him directly. Paul is telling us that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die and that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. That Jesus died for all, for Jew and Gentile. That there is no more distinction between men. There is nothing that distinguishes us. Jesus didn't distinguish who he's going to die for and who he didn't die for, but he died for all men. And through his death, all men will be reconciled back to God the Father if that is their desire. This is the finished work of Jesus, of what he did on the cross. As believers of Jesus, let me ask you, should this not influence the way we live our lives. Should this not influence the way we do church? Let me ask this. Shouldn't this idea that Jesus died for all be reflected in the clearest manner in the church? No distinction, no prejudice, no assumption. Jesus died for all, so all should be accepted. Is this not what the church is or what it should be. But the reality is this. Distinction still exists. Distinction still exists. And I want to speak very specifically tonight. Not just about the church and about distinction in the church. I want to talk about distinction in our church. I want to speak to you about what I think are some distinctions that still exist in our community that we need to deal with. Now, you may agree or disagree. That's fine. This is just my own opinion from the six years that we've been around. Feel free to disagree. But I think some of these are going to hit hard. Okay? These are some of the distinctions that I feel still exist. Number one, race and ethnicity. Now, Let me say from the get-go, from where we were five and a half years ago to where we are now, we have become ethnically diverse. And that's praise be to God. You know, back, you know, I think we were close to 75, 80% one ethnicity. And now, you know, there is no one that hits over 50%. But still... But still, there are pockets where we see that because of race and ethnicity, there is still distinction between brother and brother, sister and sister. Let me give you one example. You've heard this example and, uh, from me before. But one example is this. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sometimes, um, you know, when we're in conversation, uh, we don't even know, 
right? But if we have a, a, a language that is a second language or even a first language, sometimes we just, we, we just swap words, right? Because sometimes in our own minds, uh, it just comes naturally, right? It just comes naturally. We're, we're not even thinking about it. It just happens naturally. Um, so for example, for example, I, I was trying to think of a very neutral one, right? Um, so, you know, like, we could all be sitting around and going, you know, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? Oh, you know, oh, no, 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 hey, you know, like, let's go to Norebang. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's go to Norebang. All the, all the Koreans like, yeah, let's go to Norebang. Yeah, Norebang's awesome, right? And then the non-Koreans like, what's Norebang? <laughs> right? And every Korean in that conversation, didn't, it didn't even occur to them that the word Norebang is a Korean word. Do you know there's an English word for it? It's karaoke. Right? We do this. I do this. And by the way, when I when I when I talk about these distinctions, I'm not I'm not I'm not taking myself out of this. We do this a lot. We assume things. We don't think that it happens, but it makes life difficult for those that are on the outside. The second distinction that I still I, I think that, that exists in our church is, is seasons of life. And what I mean by this is this, we've got families, we've got parents, we've got kids, we've got dating, we've got young professionals, we've got students, right? And we have different seasons of life. Sometimes we struggle, or sometimes we see people struggle. I see people struggle to go outside of people in their own, uh, outside of their own season of life. I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, but parents are generally a little bit worse, <laughs> okay? You know, because we have things to talk about. Your kid, my kid, your school, your kid's school, my kid's school. You know, there's a, there's a little bit more to talk about. And then suddenly, like, this 17-year-old, you know, first-year uni student comes up and you're like, man, you, you're closer age to my son than to me. Like, how am I going to connect? You know what? There is distinction still. I'm, I'm just making, I'm, I'm just helping you become aware of this, right? It's real. Everyone needs to work on this. And it's not just parents, it's, it's young people too. It's like, I don't want to hang out with those old people, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, age, you know, age is a part of this too, you know? Um, it's something that some people struggle with and, 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 and we're just addressing it. Third, Finances, your financial situation. There is still a distinction between the haves and the have-nots. Okay? We have people that are double-income families and then we have overseas students that are paying double to study in our country. We have, you know, we, we have these distinctions. And people are, I, I don't think that we're meshing as best as we should be. I think this is a very honest uh, view of, of, of the way we need to see. There is still some distinction. Language. The distinction is this. Language is a first, uh, English is a first language versus English is a second language. If English is your first language, you probably don't know this. But it's probably for those that uh, English is not their first language, you probably have felt this from someone that speaks English as a first language, you know? Native speakers struggling with international, you know, students and people from overseas and because of accents and what. 
They said, it's not the English speakers that struggle with this one. It's the non-English, you know, English is second language people that probably feel, feel this more. They said, I'm, I'm trying to be specific and, 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 you know, it exists. It exists. Um, I think we still have a little bit of um, distinction in geography, like where do you live? You know, and that, and 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 not, it doesn't necessarily come out of like, hey, where do you live? But but it can come out in questions like, um, how long did it take you to get to church? You know, like, whereabouts do you hang out? You know, what shopping centers do you go to? Depending on where you live, there, there can be a distinction, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um. There's a few in there that I, that I haven't said. Um, I think there's education. Like, what school did you graduate out of? Yeah, I know, I know. My wife just looked at me and went, you, and I said, yes, yes. I'm, I'm putting up my hand, you know. And I said, I'm, I'm not exempt from this. Actually, I, I can tick probably all of these boxes, to be honest. Um, you know, housing. You know, like student housing versus renting versus, you know, having your own property versus having multiple properties. Hey, I'm just saying, there is still distinction. But the last one, and and, and I'm serious about this one, is, and and I've written it like this, sinner and more sinner. Like sinner and worse a sinner. There is still a distinction. (laughs) And this is a really funny one, right? People struggle with some people because of a perceived notion that they are more sinful than me. I know some of you are looking at me, and I know some of you are guilty of thinking that about me. (laughs) Some of you are trying not to see my eyes. My pastor, he's such a sinful man. I'll be serious. Some people come come into our church, right, and we struggle because... We just think that they're more sinful than you and I, which is hilarious, which is so ironic because we're all, we're all the same. This is a distinction, an ironic distinction, but this is a distinction. Friends, these should not be. I'm saying it right here, right now. If we believe in what the Scriptures tell us, if we believe that when Jesus died, He died to reconcile God with man and man with each other, then the distinctions between Jew and Gentile and any other distinction that exists should not exist in the church. Because this is the place that Jesus died for. This is the place where a bunch of sinners, no better or no worse than each other, should come and be accepted because Jesus accepted us. There is no one that is more loved or less loved by God. There is no one that deserved or less deserved the grace of God and there is no one that is closer or further to God as much as we might think differently. We need to become very serious about this idea and the message of reconciliation. 
Because in God's eyes, when He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross, He did it for everybody. You and me. Question is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? It's easy to say something like that. God loves all. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. But do you really believe that? Because if you really believe it, then your life must change. Faith is the motivation for action. Do you really believe that God loves all? So I want to conclude with three practical applications for us. Because I'm telling you now, we need to, all, all of us need to work to stamp out these distinctions. And I'm not saying go and change who you are. You can't change if you're rich. You can't change if you're poor. You can't change if you live in Chatswood or Hornsby. You can't change, you know, you, you can't change your past. You can't change whether you're married or not. Or if you're single, you can get married. We heavily encourage that. We can't change that, but well, we need to learn to embrace that. We need to learn to embrace each other, regardless of who we are. So here's three practical applications that I believe will help us to really live out this message of reconciliation, really live out this gospel message that Jesus died for. Number one is this, lay down your prejudice. We all have prejudice. Did you know that? We all do. If you don't think you do, you're just lying to yourself. We all have prejudice. We have things that we like. We have things that we don't like. We have, you know, things that, um, you know, we're comfortable with and things that make us uncomfortable. We all have prejudice. That might be a racial prejudice. Might be a standard of living prejudice. As I said, all these distinctions. Here's the thing. If you cannot lay down your prejudice, then ultimately you are holding up walls of distinction in this community. If you cannot lay down your personal prejudice, then you are doing your job in dividing God's community. You need to lay down your prejudices and your fears and assumptions and perspectives. You need to, and if you're like, you know what, I don't know how to do that. You take them to God. You take them to God. You take them and, 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 and you, are, you be reminded that Jesus died on the cross so that all men and women could be reconciled back to the Father. But you need to lay down these prejudices some assumptions that you may or may not have about other people, you need to lay them down. Secondly is this, you need to make the mystery known. Verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. If this fact, if this mystery was so important that it was to be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms, don't you think that this needs to be made known to all men as well? I promise you, there are people, there are people, your friends, your family, they have not come to God 
Or they have not come to the church because nobody has ever told them that they are welcome. As much as we make assumptions in here, everyone makes assumptions outside too. I promise you, there are people in this world that will not go to God because they do not believe and they have not been told that God loves them, that God accepts them, that God sent His Son Jesus to die for them. There are some people that will not come to our church because they have an assumption that this is a Korean church. I kid you not. I kid you not, I've had this conversation maybe once a year. They go, oh, you know, how's your church going? I say, yeah, it's going good. Say, oh, hey, man, we'd love to come, but, you know, we don't really speak Korean. And I stand there and I scratch my head and I'm like, how do I respond to this without making them feel silly? And I'm like, do you know me? (laughs) You know, like, I struggle to order Korean food these days, you know? I just point at pictures now on menus. And it's just because they, no one ever told them that the Chapel Sydney is an English-speaking, multi-ethnic congregation. They just assume that we're Korean because I look Korean. Or I am am Korean, but I also look Korean too. (laughs) But then I realized, oh, wow, that's also my bad. I just assumed that people would know that my Korean is so poor that even if I was to preach in Korean, you just wouldn't know. So what language is he preaching in today? People just don't know. People make that assumption with God all the time. I'd love to go to God. I'd love to pray. I'd love to go to church, but I'm too sinful. Ever heard that before? I'm too far. I'm not good enough to be in that place. Only if they could see, only if we could take a picture right here, right now, and show them how how sinful people come to our church. But they won't know unless we make it known to them. We need to let people know. We need to let people know that God loves them, that, that he sent his only son Jesus to die for them. And that in this place, that there is no distinction. Because before Jesus, there was no distinction. Question is, who can you tell? Who do you need to tell? Finally, the third application from this passage is simple. Go to God. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, that's an amazing fact. We can approach God. Not we can approach the pastor who can pray on, on, on our behalf to God. It's not we can approach some religion that if we do something that God may be pleased and then might approach us. No. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Freedom from what? Freedom from sin. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. So many times people don't want to go to God because they just feel guilty. I didn't go to church for six months. I feel guilty. How can I pray? Paul's saying you can approach him with freedom and confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in who we are, our identity. 
Confidence that through what Jesus has done for us, God accepts us as, our, as His sons and daughters and we can go running to the Father knowing that we belong to Him. Friends, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless of your age, regardless of your season in life, married, single, regardless of what part of Sydney you come from, regardless of how much money you have or don't have in your bank account, Jesus died for all, which means he died for you. You know, the mystery that all mankind, Jew and Gentile, is reconciled back to God, you know what, that should mess you up. It shouldn't make sense in your mind. The, God that, the, the fact that God loves me, even though I know myself, even though I am a sinner, even though I spit on the face of God all the time, you know, if you knew my life, you know, and yet God loves me and He forgave me for my sins, past, present, and future, that should mess your mind. Why would God do that? It should mess you up when you start to understand who belongs in the kingdom of God. It's not just for people like you. And it's not just for people that you like. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. My prayer and my hope is that this mystery would be solved in your mind. And that that truth that Jesus died for all would translate into your hearts and your hands. So what prejudices do you need to let go of? Who do you need to make this mystery known to? And is it time to go to God? Let's pray.